I'm Kimberly Cacavo, and welcome to the Face Your Grace podcast. And I'm Kate Nolan, and today we are joined by Nicole McDonald, a dear friend and someone that I've had the privilege of working with. She is the owner and CEO of Sashbag. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. So glad to have you. And we're going to just start with some really fun, simple questions just to get us all loosened up a little bit. Sounds good. All right. So what is your greatest strength? I would say my greatest strength is my ability to accept ideas and use my intuition to execute them. I love that. Nice. We talk a lot we about that. We love them. intuition. Yes, we do. Yes, we Gotta do. trust it. Yeah. Biggest accomplishment? My biggest accomplishment would be breaking generational patterns. So I come from a long line of, let's just say poor people. And my kids are having a different experience. Mm. So I've set up something for myself and my children that was very different from what my parents had and their parents had and their parents had. So um, that's the thing I'm the most proud of. Absolutely. As you should be. be. I love hearing that. All right. So one thing no one knows about you, but you are finally confident to share it. I, as you know, Kate, um, and you will learn probably in the next 15 minutes, um, I am very much an open book. So I'm all about sharing the good, the bad, the ugly, the fun, um, especially when it comes to my business, my personal life. I'm very open about it publicly. Uh, one thing that I probably don't share as much publicly um, just with personal friends is more my personal dating life, my ro- mm. my romantic mm. life. Um, I think people often assume that I'm married or have an ex-husband because I have two kids, but actually, you know, I've been a single mom this whole time. Um, and I've just been doing my own thing. And yeah, the thing I, I probably don't talk about as much is the fact that I'm single. Yep. And yeah, and I've been for a long time. Yep. Yep. <laughs> a great role yeah. model for your kids such, though. Such yeah, a wonderful role model. Yeah. All right. So now we get to get into the questions about entrepreneurship. So what led you to be an entrepreneur? I, so I mentioned, uh, you know, my greatest strength of, you know, tapping into ideas and using my intuition. So that was something that I did a lot for other people. And I got to the point where it just but didn't feel as rewarding, you know, to keep coming up with ideas that I knew were good um, so that the CEO of that company could buy themselves another boat. Mm-hmm. You know, I was right. like, I, I'm going to do this for myself. You want to buy the boat? For you. Yeah. <laughs> I want, yeah, I want the boat. Right. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And what led you to this idea? This was, so I'll give you a little progression here. So yeah. my background before I became an entrepreneur, I also worked in uh, consumer product design and manufacturing marketing. Basically any any step from an idea when it plops in your head to getting it onto a shelf. So I had done that for many years and I had an idea binder that I was just always, you know, putting down my own ideas and kind of tinkering with them and researching. And then um, I came up with an idea that wasn't this. It was a different handbag company because I'm a person who is very disorganized. Like I just don't know how to be organized. Like I need help. And I always found that having a purse was just such a problem for me. I, I, I nicknamed my purse the point of no return because that's how it was. <laughs> Especially once you start having kids, you're like, how did this like dinosaur get in right. here? You know? um, so I came up with an idea for a more organized handbag. And that was actually my first company. I launched it in uh, 2008. 
And that company was not a success. So that was my learn um, what not to do and Mm. be humble business because I left my job being like, I'm just going to go make my own company. And then years later, I ran into the CEO at a Padres game and I was like, I'm really sorry for being such a pain in your butt Mm. (laughs) because I realized, you know, it's a lot harder than people think to go out and start your own thing, especially in manufacturing. So that business did not work out. And I, uh, I thought, you know, I'm just going to do freelance work and go back to like helping other people with their companies. But at least now I'm a freelance contractor. So it's a little different Mm. because I was so wounded after that business failed. Um, but then this idea literally, like I said, I just, I don't know if you've read big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, but Mm -hmm. she has this theory that ideas are their own individual entities. Sure. And they they f- basically float around looking for a host, and then they, and then they, <laughs> then they, they plop into. The host. I'm like, I'm just an idea host, right? Well, like I things just like come to me, and I don't know how or why. And sometimes right. people don't even believe me. I'm like, literally, the idea just flashed in my head. Right. So I was at Legoland with my son, and I was doing the typical mom frustration, like, ah, "Where's all my stuff?" moment, and it just literally like I just saw it in my head. And the next day I got together with a friend of mine who's a much better seamstress than I am because I can like sew a pillowcase and that's about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went to Yardage Town and got fabric and just had a craft day and I made one for myself and I wore it out that night with some girlfriends we went out dancing. And so we're dancing and everyone else has their purse, right? So the purse is like over in the corners on their shoulder and I had this bag that I had made and I was like, woo, you know? And uh, I had three strangers come up to me and be like, where did you get that bag? So I was like, mm, I think I'm onto something here, but I was so terrified to start another business. So I just, I took it real slow. It took me a couple of years from that point to actually launch the company. Do you think that your, the failure of your first purse company led to the design of this purse? Because this looks yeah. pretty organized. It, it, it is. And it did in a way because when I started the first company, it was called Bagonia and it was still a handbag. So handbags are essentially like buckets, right? Like mm-hmm. malleable mm-hmm. buckets. You just like throw crap in them. But what I wanted was something that's more organized. So it was still a bucket, but it had an organized interior Mm -hmm. that zipped in and out. So you could actually take it out too and like wash it and Mm -hmm. get all the graham cracker crumbs out of the bottom and then zip it back in. Mm -hmm. But it still was cumbersome and like your body was lopsided. And so it was through that process of, of thinking that I was designing a better way that I realized like, I don't need a better purse. I need a not a purse. I need something that's not a purse at all. So I had to, that taught me that I had to totally reimagine what I was trying to design for myself. And so, I mean, I've had the pleasure of working with you. So very familiar with the product, which by the way, for those of you that are watching this episode, you can see a sash bag in the live here that she's wearing. sunglasses. Oh, thank you. Lots of easy to access. Very it's easy to access. Beautiful. Well, yeah. and it's, I mean, you are, when you walk around, you're marketing your product every single day. Yeah. And I imagine all of your customers are doing the exact same thing, right? Because yep. it really stands out. Yep, totally. So, yeah. how, so you started Sashbag in what year? 2012. 2012. And when did, were you able to like really be all in full time running the company? Almost right away. 
And the reason is because I did take those couple of years to make sure I was doing the right thing because that was the mistake I made with my first business. I just believed in it so much. Mm -hmm. I was like Mm -hmm. a believer Mm -hmm. of my own Mm -hmm. idea, you know, (laughs) but other people were too, but I was getting, I had kind of a dangerous combination of skills, right? Because I know how to, I do graphic design, I've been a graphic designer since the nineties. You know, I know how to make something look good. I know how to talk about it. I, I, can package something really well and make it exciting. And so I was getting all this buying and all this feedback that kept fueling my uh, idea that this was like, oh, this is going to be mm. huge, you know. But then when it came to actually selling the product, it wasn't the right timing. It wasn't the right price point. People were like, what is this? Why is it this much money? There was so much education involved. So and I took way too long to admit to myself that it wasn't working. So I took a couple of years after when I came up with this idea to make sure that people were actually going to part with their money, like strangers right. who don't love me and don't know me right. are going to be like, I want one of those and give me their money. Cause that's what right. was missing with my first business, which seems like the most obvious thing, right? Like, duh, <laughs> but it's crazy how many people do that, make that right. mistake. And I see it all the time yeah, right. now. And so I'm always like getting out in front of people and being like, yo, do these things first before you try to launch online or do a crowdfunding campaign or whatever. So what I did with this is I literally had the the first sample size or bags I sold were handmade samples. Like these were made in my backyard by me and my friend, Allie and my neighbor, Brie, who I didn't even know that well, Um, but she was apparently bored enough that I was like, Hey, you want to come help me sell some stuff? Um, And that's what that's what we started with were those um, handmade samples. And I took them to a trade show and I wrote $20,000 in orders off of honestly, not very well made (laughs) samples, but it was because I got people to buy in on the concept Mm -hmm. and they were like, yeah, yeah, I can tell, you know, that these, you know, they'll be better in production, but yeah, I like this idea. And so once strangers were willing to give me their money in that volume, that's when I started taking it seriously. And so did you start selling online then or weren't you at farmer's markets? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yep. So I started small um, doing, you know, production of a few hundred bags a month and taking those bags out to farmer's markets. So I was at the Little Italy farmer's market every Saturday. Uh, We did the uh, uh, North Park, uh, Pacific Beach, those three. And then I did uh, San Diego County Fair, LA County Fair, State Fair, just tried to get in front of as many people as possible. And I just sold one bag at a time for about two and a half years. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then those it, were probably great locations though for your design of your bag, right? You're right, at the fair. Yes. You need a purse that's not a purse. Well, the first time uh, someone recommended that I go to the farmer's market, I was like, seriously? Like people are going to the farmer's market to buy eggs and kale. They're not going <laughs> to spend $150 on a purse, you know? But I was glad that I was wrong. You know, I was like, all right, I'll try it, you know. And my first market, I sold over 30 bags. Wow. And I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it. Right, right. I was like, what in the heck is happening? But it makes sense because, you know, women are already walking around doing something where they have a purse on their shoulder and like, yeah, they see it. And they're shopping. Yes. And they're like, wait, that's a better idea. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I kind of got like, once it started working, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this. But then after a couple of years of waking up at five o'clock in the morning and going and, you know, setting up a big tent and all that, I was like, okay, done with that strategy. Yeah, that right. reminds me of when we did our trunk shows. Yes. Pitch-ups, and our pop-ups. 
it was a schlep, right? Yeah. Like it's a schlep to do to do it that way. And and it's what's great about it is you get that interaction with customers. And I think when you're starting something too, there's something incredibly right. valuable of hearing that feedback, being the person to actually hear the feedback yeah. too. But then you got going and you got yourself online. And yes. I know, I mean, when I was working with you, it was really about now, like how what's the next level? And that's been diversifying manufacturing really thinking about what this company is going to look like in the next three years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So pretty much the instant that I went online, it w- we were a multi-million dollar company. I mean, it was literally overnight. And you. it's because I spent those two and a half years right. getting to know. I know a sash, we, they call themselves sash sisters. Our customers are so adorable. Mm. But I know a sash sister a mile away. Like right. what other brands she wears, what her hobbies are, what questions she's going to ask, what bag she's going to buy first, what bag she's going to buy second. Like I knew all that. So right. when I put together my marketing, it just worked immediately. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. I mean, that is so important yeah. too, is identifying your customer, who she is, what her mm-hmm. age is. So what what is a sash sister? What is the ideal sash sister look like? Yeah. So I consider a sash sister to be a woman who is essentially in her third stage of life. And what I mean by that is like stage one being like, I'm a teenager and I'm going to college and I'm figuring myself out. Mm -hmm. Stage two being like your early adulthood, like, you know, having young kids, maybe having like the early part of your career, Mm -hmm. like really establishing yourself Mm -hmm. and raising a family. And that third stage being the point where you want sister connections you want to travel you want to connect with yourself and the world and people and just you know have fun and be comfortable and you know not be like tied down like a purse on your shoulder right like (laughs) those are the women who when they discover the sash they're like yes like they've been carrying a purse for 20 years and they're over it right Mm -hmm. they're just like that Mm -hmm. makes sense let's do it let's go travel let's have fun those are my people and do you have Merces? Do you have Sash Brothers? I tried that. <laughs> I, we call them Sash. Just curious. They're, they're Sash Misters. Sashes. So we do have some um, Sash Misters in our oh. community, and um, they're more supportive of the company and their wives, daughters, girlfriends who love the sash bag. Like mm-hmm. they get involved because they like to buy them as gifts. But we do have some men that wear the sash bag and, you know, typically like maybe the brown leather, right. like something like It'd that kind of Indiana Jones style. Right. Yeah. We did do a man bag for a little while. We called it stash. And right. <laughs> it did <laughs> pretty it did pretty well. But ultimately it came down to my desire to market it. And I'm like, right. I'm just not passionate about men's market. Like yeah. They've, they've got enough stuff. They've got yeah. pockets. They exactly. have enough pockets. Yeah. It just wasn't as exciting to me, right. even though, you know, I, the argument comes up often like you could make money. And I'm like, I don't want, I just, right. I yeah. don't care. And like, you know who I'm, your customer is. Yeah. And, comfortable and I love women yeah. and I love my customers. Like I don't want to change mm-hmm. any of that. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So what's your favorite part of being a female entrepreneur? It's got to be the female relationships. Like yeah. being, I mean, like you and that's how you and I met, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, how did you guys meet? Through a mutual through colleague. Through yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 Nice. yeah. So, I mean, my friendships are my chosen family. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm in San Diego. None of my family lives here. Well, I have one brother who moved here recently out to Mount Laguna, which is about an hour away. But, you know, I've been in San Diego all by my lonesome for 23 years. My family mm-hmm. is not here. Um, and so that's become my family. Nice. My, yeah, the, the other entrepreneurs, even my customers, like I had a medical procedure done. Maybe this is TMI no, I uh, recently. That. And one of my customers came to my house 
and picked me up and took me to the doctor and waited for. I love that. I met her because she's a Sash customer. Right. Like to me, that is everything. That's how it was with our customers too. We loved our customers and formed this like gritty girls tribe. Yeah, it was fabulous. Well, our customers, and I also feel like what's similar about Grace by Grit that I that reminded me when I worked with you is the women that work for you too. Yeah, are your family. Yeah, I mean you treat them like family, but also you know there's the fun to be had. You Mm -hmm. know, like the crazy days that we've all experienced, the giggles, but like you're really involved in your employees' lives and. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's yeah. how we were too. And it was, it was fun to watch now, even looking back on it and knowing where all these women have gone right. and knowing that we had this really unique time. I think all of us feel like there's nothing like that yeah. time. Like none mm-hmm. of us have ever found that anywhere else because of the experience of working and building something together. Totally. So unique. Um, okay. So what do you wish you knew then? So before you started. Before you, you left that job. Yeah. That you didn't do know now. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's like before and now it's kind of like a constant cycle reminder Mm -hmm. (laughs) that everything works out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like everything works out. Right. Like it always works out. I try to remind myself all the time. I need that reminder right now. (laughs) Everything will work out. It's so true. Because like, and sometimes it like works out accidentally or like this other way that you didn't you couldn't have even designed but it's even better than what you would have designed if you could have designed it um but that is something that I constantly have to remind myself because even in moments where I'm like oh this is the worst thing that could ever happen inevitably six months later I'll look back and I'll be like oh that's why that happened Mm -hmm. right like it a hundred percent of the time like it always always works out so it's just like it's like a like I said it's like a cyclical thing right not like a then and now it's like I, I, and I, even though I know that, like, I still will get myself caught up in moments sometimes where I'm like, oh, no, this is definitely, no, this is the time it's not going to work out. <laughs> like, like, this is the one. And then it just does. Yep. It's crazy. Oh, I love that. And that's a great, I mean, piece of advice for especially people that listen to this podcast that are, like, starting out with their with their dream, right, business. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of... Well, and even big, with my business yeah. that failed, right. like, that yeah. felt like game over, yeah, you like know? that was your one shot and then you, you blew it. Yeah. <laughs> but then when I look back on it, I'm like, oh gosh, I'm so glad I had that failed business. Right. Because well, you learned so much. Yeah, and I wouldn't want to I wouldn't have wanted to waste those mistakes on this product. Because right. it was yeah. a superior product. Two more questions for you. What are some unexpected challenges you faced as an entrepreneur and how have you overcome them? An unexpected challenge for me is the demand. I knew that I was creating a good product because I liked it. And I thought that I was going to sell it to people like me. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know is that the demand was going to be so much broader. Mm-hmm. And um, even though I believe in myself and I believe in my product, like honestly, it still to this day amazes me how many people love this product. Oh, and that's fantastic. Yeah, it really is. Um, but, you know, I just never feel prepared for the amount of product I need. I mean, it's a and I've, went, I've been, I've lived this, by the <sighs> way. You get product in and you sell out within the day. And then it's like people and it's like, okay, well, now we have to wait a couple more months before the next shipment. So how are we keeping all these yeah. people happy? In We're the constantly taking pre-orders constantly. So this is the biggest challenge is maintaining the customer experience when you know that they're going to have kind of a bad one, right? Because they have to wait so long for the product. What is your product timeline from start to finish? So our product that we're delivering right now, Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we started delivering. We've been delivering for about four weeks. So right now we're in July. So we're mid-July. People ordered this product in February and March. Oh, wow. wow. So that's yeah. how long they've been waiting for this product that just came in. So months of um, my customer service team answers, and I'm not exaggerating, thousands of emails every single week. So well, it's, it's even better than the Kelly and the Birkin bags, right? It, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, because it's that like, when am I getting my bag? We call, right. we call them the WMBs, the where's my bag people, <laughs> um, which we get it, right? Like, when, right. like you're excited. But so it's that it's that maintaining the excitement and nurturing the customers and making sure they're happy, you know, and they feel like the wait was worth it. Like that, that is the biggest challenge. Like I kind of, I have been trying, I've been in this position and trying to solve it for the entire 11 years I've had this company is having enough inventory to meet the demand. I still have not gotten there. Even though I have four factories, we have 60,000 bags in production right now and it's still not enough. Which is a good problem to have, but it's woo, stressful. Right. It's such I a can great stressful. Yeah. I mean, the opposite that some people experience is now I've got all this inventory or like yeah. you have like a bad batch, right? right. And then you're like, right. oh no, what am oh, I going to do with well, all this? Yeah. Definitely been there also. Well, but, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you yeah. deal with your customers in that situation? Well, we, you know, we treat our customers the way we treat friends. This is our policy. And so that doesn't always mean like, you know, I mean, we mean it, right? Like if someone's your friend, you're going to be reasonable with them. You're not going to bend over backward all the time if it's not reasonable, but you're going to nurture them and you're going to want to make sure they're okay and you're going to be friendly to them. So we really we really try to treat everyone the way we would treat someone if they were our friend. Like if they're being, you know, crabby, we'll be like, hey, stop being crabby. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but well, and you have a fantastic customer service team. We too. do. Yeah. yeah. I think that, that um, you know, policy that we've established like if this person was your friend like what would you say to them mm-hmm. you know just like mm-hmm. talk to people right. the, you know like just really try to hear where people are coming from and be real with them and you know support them and it's worked out really well it's so interesting i mean we could go on and on about customer Ooh. service but i did have a recently have a bad experience with like a very expensive bracelet that broke and after only wearing it twice and i went back to the brand that i will not name and they would do nothing they did absolutely nothing about it. they said we're sorry we just it's been a year since you purchased it so we don't do anything and i said but i've only worn it twice because it's such an expensive piece and you're going to do nothing not even like recommend anywhere i could go to get it fixed mm. they didn't even respond to that email so I'll never buy from them again, right? Mm-hmm. And I think we all know, and I think that's such a big part of setting up businesses is you want your customers to have the best experience and mistakes happen, delays yeah. happen, all sorts of things happen, right? You sell inventory you don't even have sometimes and it's how you actually deal with it that makes all yeah. the difference in the world. Well, we do people. have an 84% return customer rate, which is exceptionally high. That's amazing. And I think that that's part of it. You know, like, My- yeah, if something does happen to someone's bag, I mean, we've had people that had their bag for years and they got it caught in a doorknob and it ripped in half and we're like okay well that is not a manufacturing <laughs> defect but you know let's hook you up right. with a 50% coupon so you can get yourself a new one you right, know like right. we're always trying to and find what a difference it makes for those people yes. right and then they're going to buy that gift to right. a friend when they're looking for a gift and they're going to recommend somebody totally. to come to you I know that referral is huge yeah. yeah all right so uh final question okay what is your grace I would say my grace is um, my ability to be with people. Mm. Like that is something that has really grown for me in this business. Um, it used to be like the first couple times I had 
so now you know sash sisters all over the world have meetups and they get together and they Ooh. bring their bags and they and if there's a customer who doesn't have one yet they'll be like hey does anyone live in austin that will let me see their bag they'll have we'll get have a get together and we've had some of those get togethers in san diego and the first one we had it was the sash bash that we had in in 2019 we had hundreds of customers come in from all over the country canada to have a big party and i was like kind of dreading it I'm like, oh gosh, it's gonna be like so many people. I'm gonna have to like smile the whole time and shake hands and like talk about Sash. Like, you know, <laughs> I had so much fun. I had so, such a good time. And I just, um, it's, it's really made me love learning about people. Mm-hmm. And what I've found is like literally anyone, no matter where they're from, like what their beliefs are, anything like that, if you really take the time to just like, sit with people and just be mm-hmm. with them and acknowledge them and get to know them. Like you can fall in love with anyone. Like right. I've fallen in love with so many people where if I, if I wasn't f- kind of forced out of my house to do that, I'd just, you know, be sitting there like binge watching Mad Men. But instead <laughs> I've, you know, got all these like hundreds, kind of like thousands of new friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, it's, That's funny because we used to say that too. When we started our business, Mm -hmm. at first we thought, okay, we'll sell these. You know, we were viewing it as a product and not as a a relationship as much. And we ended up making the best relationships with our cousins, Mm -hmm. cousins, (laughs) customers. They feel like (laughs) cousins. They feel like distant cousins. (laughs) Some of them were cousins. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes. I mean, that's when you know you love what you're doing when you really care about the people that are buying your product, but they do feel more than just a customer at the end of the day. And I know I've had the privilege of obviously working with you and and being able to witness that, but you are so authentic, Nicole, and how you share yourself. I think it allows very easily for your customers to fall in love with you and then want to support you. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. I really admire that. I really admire that. But we are out of time. I'm getting the signals from the background <laughs> behind us here saying, wrap it up, ladies. But you have been such a pleasure to Thank you. hear your story. You. I know so it's going to provide so much inspiration for others that are thinking about starting and that perhaps it's the fact that you had that first failure that really helped you launch Sash. Maybe mm-hmm. other people in you know that are like going down that road and going, maybe this isn't going to work. Know that there's something else around the right. corner. Completely. All right, Nicole. So where can people find you? So you can go to my website, which is thesashbag.com. Three words, thesashbag. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, and it's just sashbag. Great. Yep. Great. Fabulous. And if you are thinking about starting a business and that idea has just fallen on your head, go to faceyourgrace.com and get started today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Face Your Grace podcast with Nicole McDonald of Sashbag. We were so glad you were here. Thank you.